0: Well, hey there, future paleontologists. I'm Dinosaur George, and welcome to the podcast. You are listening to podcast number 92. Boy, do I have a lot of stuff to cover. Been on the road, as always, everybody. I get so many of you that that write such kind remarks and comments and asking me if I could please record another podcast. And the problem is that uh, I travel so much with my traveling museum that I'm just not back home very often and so it makes it so hard but anyway uh this is podcast number 92 and you know something just uh last month we celebrated our three-year anniversary of this podcast it's been this podcast has been going on for three years that's amazing to me and as of today we have had 985,000 downloads of this podcast. We are 15,000 downloads away from reaching 1 million listens. That's hard for me to get my mind around. That's just, I I just can't get over that. But it's incredible, incredible to think that this podcast has been heard nearly. A million times—that's that's crazy. We are heard in 179 countries and in 15,455 cities all around the world. And you know, what I happen to have in front of me the uh, the list of the top ten cities where I am listened to, and I am stunned at these. So let me tell you what they are. At number ten, Ontario, Toronto, in Canada. That's the number 10 top city where people listen to this podcast. I am honored. I absolutely love uh, Canada. It's a magnificent place. I've never been to Toronto, but I absolutely would love to go. Uh, At number nine, it's Houston, Texas, which makes sense because I'm Texas-based company. Houston, thank you all so very much for listening. And I say Houston, I'll bet you a large percentage comes out of the Katy area, I see a lot of schools there and I have a lot of listeners in and around Katy. So when it says Houston, my guess is it's probably inclusive of that entire Houston area. At number eight, Portland, Oregon, magnificent city. I've gone there a number of times to dig up fossilized crabs in Portland, Oregon. So I have a great admiration for Portland, Oregon. Let's see. That's 10, 9, 8. At number seven, uh, Brisbane in Queensland, Oh, I want to come see you guys so bad. I want to come see you all so bad. One of these days, I'm going to. One of these days, I'm going to travel to your magnificent country. Okay, where am I at? 10, nine, eight, seven. At number 6, my hometown of San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, you are my number 6 city in the world that listens to my pad- podcast. Thank you all, San Antonio and surrounding areas. I love you guys. At number 5, Perth. In Western Australia. Again, I'm coming to see you people someday. But Perth, you are number five on the list. Thank you. I love you all. At number four, it's Alberta in Calgary, Canada. Now, I've been to Alberta and I love it. I've been there a lot, absolutely love the community, love the area magnificent people, some of the friendliest people on earth. Love you guys. At number three, Seattle, Washington. Uh, Seattle, I've been there so many times, I can't count how many times I've been in and around Seattle. I found fossilized ferns. I found all kinds of fossilized plants in and around Seattle, and a lot of sea life as well. The number two city in the world that listens to this podcast is Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Ah, uh, you guys are my number two city in the world. Thank you all and at number one, and quite honestly, this is um by far the number one city the The number one spot is way above everybody and this one amazed me, but I am honored and that is Sydney in New south Wales. That is spectacular that you guys over there listen to me I, I am so Honored, So honored. You know, as a matter of fact, the um, the uh, entire continent of Australia is 10 percent of my listeners come from Australia. Ten percent, 72 percent come from North America, 13 percent come from Europe and Australia. And what's so spectacularly amazing about that is your population is not as big. So to all of the top tens and to people everywhere, it doesn't matter if you're in the top ten or not. Thank you all so very much for listening. I hope that you uh, I hope that you enjoy this podcast and I will one day I will one day come to see you guys that I promise. Okay, uh, let's see. That covers that really cool stuff. Now, I've got a couple of quick shout outs and then I've got to do November shout outs for my Patreon club members couple of shout outs. One was just yesterday. Little June came by the store. I happened to be out at my store at Traders Village in San Antonio at the store in the museum. And June came by and she wants to be Junon, Junotosaurus. Junotosaurus or Jonatosaurus, Junotosaurus. I think she pronounces it Junotosaurus. Uh, She drew me a really cool picture of Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor, and I met she and her mom and dad, and it was so nice meeting you guys, and I'm so glad you came by, and I hope you liked the museum. I certainly enjoyed, but what I didn't like is you called me El Stinko. You rotten little kid! How dare you? No one knows the... No one knows the identity of El Stinko. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Then I was in Mansfield with the Traveling Museum a couple of days ago, and I met Austin and Sadie. They listened to the podcast. I think they were with their dad. I believe dad was with them. Uh, I got a chance to meet them. I am so glad you guys listened to the podcast. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you like your shout-out. And then I got a phone call from someone. We were trying to work something out, and she happened to tell me about a young man named Xander who just moved from Colorado to Tom Tomball, Texas. That's kind of close to Houston. And so, um, Xander, I just wanted to give you a welcome to Texas howdy. Howdy! That means now you're an official Texan, my friend. Welcome to Texas. I hope you and your family enjoyed here. Then, um, I was in Katy, Texas. This is amazing. I was at a food truck on the side of the road, and I met Tyler, Maddie, Ryan, And Logan's dad, their dad told me that Tyler, Maddie, Ryan and Logan listened to the podcast. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give you guys a shout out for being so kind. And it was so funny of all the places in the world to meet a listener at a food truck on the side of the road in Katy, Texas. But that's what it was. And that was so crazy cool. And then uh, my traveling museum was at a school called Idea Ewing Halsall. And I met Liam. Liam is a listener. He happened to go to that school, and it was so nice that I got a chance to meet you, Liam. And then finally, Eli and Easton. I met their mom and dad and those two at Trader's Village at my museum. It was quite a while ago when when I met them, but I was so glad that I had the chance to talk to you guys, and I hope you all enjoyed my museum as much as I enjoyed having you there. I'm a little disappointed that none of those kids that came to my museum got eaten by anything, That's why I invite you kids. It's because I don't want to have to buy dog food for those dinosaurs. So if I can feed them a kid every now and then, it saves me a lot of money. So there it is, kids. If you want to come to my museum and meet me, come in. Make sure to put a little barbecue sauce on your head so you taste better. And I will feed you to a dinosaur. Or I will feed your dad to a dinosaur. Ooh, that sounds more fun. Okay, so that's the deal. We're gonna say, we're gonna feed your dad to a dinosaur. Anyway, now, excuse me. With it being the holiday season, I hope you will consider parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. Uh, if you're if your young dinosaur lover in your family is not a member of the Patreon club, I hope you'll consider joining. Maybe giving them as a gift, giving a membership as a gift. Uh, there are three levels of membership to become a Patreon member. One is the Triceratops group that costs a dollar a month. With that, you get to be uh, you get to sit in on one live lesson we do through uh, uh, Zoom. We send out the the login information and you get to sit down and you get to be in a live lesson with us. Next comes the Raptor Club. Now in the Raptor Club, that's five dollars a month. With that, when you join, we send you a welcome gift of a Raptor Claw replica that we send to you through the mail. No matter where you live in the world, we send it to you and you get two live lessons a month and you get some behind the scenes stuff and you also get a discount if you ever come into our store and then the top level, that's the T-Rex membership. That's $10 a month. Kids, that's a lot of money. And so if you ask your parents to join and they can't, you you have to understand that that's a lot of money month after month that's a lot of money so if you are able to become a T-Rex member then uh, you get two live lessons a month you get a welcome gift of a raptor claw and a rap- and a T-Rex tooth replica those come to your home regardless of where you are in the world we'll mail them to you you also get behind the scenes information you get a bigger discount if you come to the store or the museum you get a bigger discount and you also get the benefit of a birthday shout out. And that means that once a month we send out a message to all of our members asking them if they have a birthday in that particular month. And if they do, then we give you a shout out on your birth, not on the day of your birthday, but the month. Now, I got to say this because I was so busy. I didn't get to do uh, the. November shout outs that I wanted to do. I wasn't able to do them because I was on the road for so much. So these are coming to you late. Now, for those of you who have signed up and you have a birthday in December, if you go to your page, you'll see that there is a request for you to give us your information for uh, birthday shout outs. You can simply follow the instructions and you can get a shout out for your birthday in Uh, in December, I will record another one in December. I promise you, I will. Now what I'm doing right now is, okay, I am going to come in here and I am going to look at the November shout outs. Tell you what I'm going to do for me to find that for just a moment. Let me play some information about Patreon. If you want to be a member, you can go to our website, dinosaurgeorge.com. And there is a link there on how to join become a member of the dinosaur george patreon club and join the fun we offer different club levels each with their own set of benefits private lessons new discoveries behind the access and much more are all part of being a club member visit dinosaurgeorge.com and sign up today all right these birthday shout outs are not in chronological order so here we go witten Uh, turned seven on November 13th. Happy birthday to you. And Kylosaurus Gabe turned six on November 5th. Happy birthday to you. Lorenzo Raptorus. That's a cool name. Um, And again, these are all T-Rex members who get the birthday shout outs. Uh, Lozen, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Lozen Raptorus. I was so busy looking at the end. Lozen Raptorus turned seven on November the 2nd. Archie turned six on November 21st. Charlie turned seven on November 1st. Byron turned nine now on October. uh, Because what happened was he joined right after I did the Octobers. His was October 28th. So you get a makeup shout out. Um, Macy turned seven on November the 4th. And Macy's uh, mom's birthday was November the 6th. So Macy, if you're seven, that means your mom is eight. Right? Am I close? Right now, your mom's going, yes, I am eight. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Michaelisaurus turned 12 on November the 10th. Velociconoraptor turned uh, 82 million years on November the 3rd. 82 million years. Kid, you're old. Curtis turned seven on November the 7th. Uh, let's see. Paul Dino Dude uh, turned seven on November 18th. Thank you very much. Um. Let's see. Giganota Ethan turned eleven on November twenty sixth. Tyrannosaurus Josh turned seven November twenty eighth. Velocity Jesse turned eight November the second. R J Rex, also known as R J Raptor, turned six on November the eleventh. Rowan turned nine on November the eighth. Avatruodon, Avatrodon, turned five. 5- hey, that's cool, Ava. Okay, so Ava. Ava Truedon turned five, November the 14th. Rex turned three on November 21st. What a great name, Rex. Kelt turned six, November the 29th. Carter Dominus Rex turned six, November the 11th. Jessica Raptor turned eight on October 21st. We missed hers. Uh, Charlie Soros had a birthday on November the 1st. And... Jackasaurus had a birthday on October 14th. He turned six and we missed. Oh, wait, maybe he turned 14 on the six. That's what happened. Uh, But again, he was uh, he joined after we had already done them. And so those are some makeup uh, birthdays for people that we missed. All right, my friends, that uh, that takes care of the. Uh, the November shout-outs. Again, please forgive me, everybody, for being so late. I apologize for that. So let's get in and talk about today's feature creature. <laughs> It's time for our Feature Creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your Feature Creature. You know, back at the end of October, we had a costume contest on our Facebook group page, which is Dinosaur George Kids. It is free to follow us on Dinosaur George Kids. There's no fee in that at all, and we get to do all kinds of cool stuff. You get to post your pictures. You get to do all kinds of neat things. Well, we had a costume contest, and our first-place winner was Judah, who had dressed up as Alan Grant. And Now, I interviewed Judah and our second- and third-place winners on the previous podcast, but one of the things Judah had requested is if we could do a feature creature on Dino Kyrus. And so... That's why we chose Dino Now, Dino was a mystery for a very, very long time. Its name in English means terrible hand. And there's a reason why. And that's because all they found were just the arms and the hands. Now, they, it was discovered back in 1965. In 1965, I think it was discovered. Now, nobody knew what it was because all they found were the hands. And listen, it's a difficult thing to identify a dinosaur by only a few bones. That's a very hard thing to do. So there was a lot of debate. They knew the arms were gigantic. As a matter of fact, if you ever come visit my uh, museum in San Antonio, Texas, I have got the arms of Dino in that museum. When you see them, you will not believe the size of them. But the problem was it was very difficult to figure out what this thing was. Now, they knew that it was big. Whatever the case it was, they knew it was big. And for a very, very long time, nobody had any idea whatsoever of what this thing was. I will say this, though. I will say this. There was... One paleontologist, and I cannot remember his or her name, and I apologize for this, but that paleontologist said, I believe that dinosaur is related to Ornithomimus and Struthiomimus and Gallimimus and Dromysiomimus. And I got to tell you, when I read that, I thought there's no way because this thing, its arms are longer than those dinosaurs you just mentioned. How could one of them be that gigantic? Well, In the year 2014, they found nearly a complete skeleton of this thing, and then they were able to determine what it was, and surprise, surprise, it is indeed a member of those dinosaurs that I just mentioned. It is a member of that family. It was discovered in Mongolia, and um, um, so much of it was unknown, like I said, so much of it was unknown, but... Once they fig- once they found the skeleton, they were better able to understand. It. So, this thing is about thirty-six feet long—that's eleven meters long—and it stands about five meters tall—that's sixteen feet tall. It's a big dinosaur. It's a very big dinosaur. And what's really cool about it? Once they were able to to analyze the skull and the teeth, they realized this thing was an omnivore. Well. Ornithomimus, Gallimimus, and Struthiomimus are also omnivorous. So that makes sense, right? But they also found that its mouth was different than the the, the other ones, Struthiomimus and Gallimimus. It had a much wider mouth, a broader mouth. Usually, when an animal's mouth is elongated from side to side, I'm not talking about being long like the beak of a stork. I'm talking about wide, almost Its mouth almost looks like a vacuum cleaner, wide. And they thought, you know, why does this thing have this strange mouth? Well, they discovered inside the stomach cavity, they found fish and plant material where this thing is an omnivore. So that wide mouth, that wide mouth is ideal for grabbing a lot of vegetation But also, if you open your mouth quickly, it creates what is called a vacuum and all the water comes rushing into the mouth. That's how you catch fish if you're just using your mouth. But the thing about Dinochirus is it doesn't just need to catch fish with its mouth because it's got those immensely uh, long arms. And those big claws. And therefore, it can use them to catch fish with its hands. It's got long arms. It's not like a short-armed animal like, like you'd think of like a tyrannosaur or something like that. No, these arms are long and functional. These arms are long and functional. And so, those claws are deeply curved, which are ideal for grabbing and holding something. But the most unique thing about this dinosaur wasn't the arms. Yes, the arms are incredible. But it was the body shape. And it's very difficult to describe. So let me say this I am going to spell the name Dinochirus for you to look up online, because when you see a picture of it, you won't believe it. It is spelled D E I N O C H E R I U S. Dinochirus. The C H sounds like the letter K, it's not Dinochirus. It's dinochirus. The CH letter makes a sound makes the sound of a K in this particular word. So dinochirus. Now here's the amazing thing. It's got a sort of a sail on its back. Not as big as the sail of Spinosaurus, and it only goes from about its shoulder to the back of its leg. So it's not a, a full length one, but it's got a sail on its back. It's got an elongated head. It's got a relatively long neck. And it walks on two legs. Therefore, it is bipedal. Now, it's possible that it could also walk on its hands and its legs when it wanted to. And therefore, that would make it a quadrupedal. But right now, it is bipedal. This thing is enormous with a big hump on his back. Don't know what the reason of the hump is? You know, I've hypothesized or I've guessed that the sail of Spinosaurus is used to uh, heat, help heat its body while it's standing in the water because water will steal heat away from your body. And so it may have acted like a solar panel where the heat from the sun would keep its body warm. Even when it's hot outside and you're in, a, in water a long time, you will start to get cold because the water steals away your body heat. And so crocodiles have to come out onto the land and lay in the sun to warm up. Because they're reptiles. Well, with dinosaurs having reptilian qualities, they may have had to do that as well. But if you're as big as Dinochirus or Spinosaurus, you can't spend all day sitting out in the sun warming up. You'd never get a chance to eat. So if you're in the water, but your sail is acting as a heater, that might help you be able to stay in the water for an extended period of time. So something else that's cool about this. They discovered that um, they discovered that it also had small feather-like appendages on its arms. Now, these are not wings. When I say feathers, they're not wings. These are feather-like things that may have been used as a way to signal, to communicate. They may have been brightly colored. They may have acted as a warning. If a predator approached them and they raised their arms, maybe maybe those bright feathers would sort of say, hey, look at my claws. You don't want to be around me. Look at my claws. But uh, those feathers were not feathers like you'd find on a bird. And here's why. Because if it's spending time in the water and if it's using its arms to catch fish, those feathers would would be under the water a lot. And they would become very dirty and gunky and gummed up. So they can't be used for flying because they wouldn't be that way. So instead, they were probably more like like little hairs or little sticks, not a feather like you'd see on, say, a peacock or something like that. So Dinocyrus is absolutely an amazing animal. It lived in the late Cretaceous period, around 66 million years ago. So Dinocyrus may have lived all the way up to the end of the age of dinosaurs. But whatever the case... If you and I could travel back to the late Cretaceous and we went to Mongolia and we were near a swampish or, or lakes or rivers, maybe even the ocean, we might get a chance to see Dino Chyrus. And I got to tell you something, that would be absolutely amazing if we were able to do that. OK, when we come back, I am going to answer a couple of questions submitted by all of you. And so let's take a quick break. <laughs> Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random, and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey, for any of you that are interested, if you do follow us on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Um, I am live streaming this, the recording of this podcast. So if you want to see it, if you want to see it and hear it, you're welcome to do that. Um, So anyway, I'm just doing that just for fun. Okay, so I've got all kinds of questions. So let's do some good ones. Ian, H five and three quarters, wants to know why a T-Rex's bite force is so strong. That's a great question, Ian. The reason why it's got a strong bite force is two reasons. One, it's got the muscles in its jaws that are powerful enough to give it a bite force, but it also has teeth that can withstand the force when it bites. You see, most carnivores, Allosaurus, Albertosaurus, um, gosh, who else, Raptors, Deinonychus, Dromaeosaurus, Their teeth are not round and thick, like the tooth of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Their bite force is not as strong. If they had the same strength in their jaw, if they bit down into bone, they would snap off all their teeth. Every tooth would break off. Tyrannosaurus Rex, on the other hand, can bite with that power and can literally crush crush bone. So it's got a strong bite force because that's what its teeth are designed for. Now, my buddy, Rhodey Lewis sent me this one. It says, if sorolophus was found first, then parasorolophus was found second. Then how did parasorolophus become more popular than sorolophus? Okay. So, these are duck-billed dinosaurs, and the names Serolophus and Parasaurolophus sound similar. So, if Serolophus was found first, the difference between Serolophus and Parasaurolophus is Parasaurolophus has that elongated crest on the back of its head. Even though Serolophus was found first, Parasaurolophus is the more interesting one of the two, and therefore... Being interesting, being unique, usually means that the media will give you more attention. Paleontologists will give you more attention. Museums would want a Parasaurolophus instead of a Saurolophus. Because to most people, Parasaurolophus is a more interesting dinosaur. So it simply won the popularity contest and it had nothing to do with which one is better It's just one is more popular. Okay. Asia, age eight, said, how strong is Giganotosaurus? Or you might pronounce it Giganotosaurus or Giganotosaurus or Giganotosaurus, or you can pronounce it any way you want. Uh, How strong is its bite force Uh, or how strong is it? It's a strong dinosaur. Certainly, it's big. Just the sheer size would give it strength. Like, for instance, an elephant. Like if an elephant just pushes you over, it can just push you over, not because it's strong, but because it's so gigantic. So it's got a lot of strength. It's certainly capable, in my opinion, of taking on young or um, middle-aged sauropods. So if it's hunting big animals, it's got to be strong. I don't have any way of being able to tell you how strong it would be, but I will simply tell you it's a pretty strong dinosaur. All right, Devin. Is T-Rex really invincible like some people think? This is an excellent question, Devin. I, along with other people who teach people about dinosaurs, we have a tendency to sometimes build up a dinosaur and make it sound like nothing could ever win. That's not true. Any animal is not, there's no, there are no animals that are invincible. Not one. Not a single animal in the world is invincible. Something can kill them. Tyrannosaurus Rex, even though he's giant and powerful with those big teeth and that strong bite force, listen, there are certain dinosaurs it didn't mess around with. I believe a a full-grown Ankylosaurus, I don't think a T-Rex would want to get around it because he knows he's not going to be able to kill it. Um, Other T-Rexes, a bigger T-Rex could kill a T-Rex. Disease could kill a T-Rex. This is why. In the movies, when they show T-Rex running in with his mouth wide open and just attacking, that's probably not what would happen. What would probably happen is that um, they would would probably run in and bite you, but then step away from you. They don't want to fight because they know they can get injured. They know they can get broken bones. and And a Tyrannosaur with a broken leg is probably a Tyrannosaur that's not going to live very long. So they are not invincible. It's just that T-Rex is such a popular dinosaur that oftentimes they want to make it look like it's, the, the mo- it's just invincible. And that's not true. Let me, tell you, let me put it to you like this. If it could kill anything it wanted, whenever it wanted, there would be thousands and thousands and thousands of them because they would be able to catch anything. But because they're so big and they don't always win, there's not that many. It keeps their numbers in check. So they. even though this thing is strong, it is not invincible by any stretch. My buddy Emilio Raptor, who I have known for years, from when he was a tiny, he and I are friends forever. He even works for me. Uh, on this live stream, Emilio just sent me a question. Was Pachycephalosaurus stronger than Stygmoloch, or are they the same amount of strong? No, Emilio, Pachycephalosaurus is bigger heavier-boned, thicker skull, so I believe it would have been a much more powerful animal than stegimoloch. Stegimoloch is is what we call gracile, meaning graceful, meaning um meaning that this animal was very uh very thin so to speak. I guess thin is not the right word, but but that's basically what it is is that it was not a uh, a robust animal whereas Pachycephalosaurus was a little Uh, a little more robust. Uh, The McAllister family just sent me a question. It says, is Mosasaur bigger than a T-Rex? No, not when you look at the complete body design. Now, lengthwise, some Mosasaur's like Tylosaurus may have been about as long as a Tyrannosaurus Rex. But if you, if you look at their complete mass, their body mass, no, Tyrannosaurus is considerably bigger than a Mosasaur. That's great. Uh, Duffy just sent a question. Said, "Did Basilosaurus could uh, did Basilosaurus ever see Megalodon?" I don't think so because I want to say Basilosaurus. When did he show up? Eocene or Miocene? Man, was Basilosaurus Miocene or was Basilosaurus? Wow. Listen, I think Bacillosaurus was was Paleocene or Eocene, and uh, Megalodon was Miocene. I don't know if they ever crossed paths. Listen, Duffy family, that's a brilliant question. I, you caught me off guard because I cannot remember if anybody watching this live. Uh, can look up Bacillosaurus and when it lived. If you can, and you can post that, that that would be great. Uh, let's see. Um, let me see here. Let me see. I'm just, I'm actually answering these on the fly, which is kind of cool. So Maggisaurus Rex wants to know, were there any prehistoric stingrays? Indeed, there were Maggisaurus. There are prehistoric stingrays. Uh, one of them we find in the Green River formation of Wyoming. We find fossilized stingrays, and I want to think those date back to 20 million years, but I think they were here even earlier than that. Uh, Eocene, okay, thank you, Rody. So, uh, Bacillosaurus was Eocene, which means he probably did not see a Megalodon. Thank you, Rody. I appreciate you doing that. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, let's see. This is from Pennysaurus, who's age six. Hi, Elstinko. What does Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor look like? Well, Pennysaurus... What did you call me, kid? Did you say, hey, El Stinko? Is that what you said? Is that what you said to me? Because I'm not El Stinko. No one knows the, no one knows the identity of El Stinko. Smarter than Batman. Stronger than Superman. More luxurious hair than Wonder Woman. No one knows the identity of that. (laughs) Cha-cha-cha Raptor looks like uh, Blue from Jurassic World. Uh, He's little cha-cha-cha raptor is probably three feet long and about a foot and a half tall and the meanest little thing you've ever seen in your life. Now, it does not bother anyone in the world but me. Sometimes he bites my assistant, Letosaurus Rex. But other than that, he's not too terribly bad, but he looks like a typical little velociraptor. Okay, Ben, age five, wants to know, is Quetzalcoatlus the biggest pterosaur of its time? Yes, of its time it was. It was the biggest, but there are three giant pterosaurs. Quetzalcoatlus, um... Aaron Borgiania and Hetzigoopteryx. All three of them are giant. Those are three giants. And, uh, but I don't know which one would be considered the biggest of all. That's a very difficult question. That's a very, very difficult question. That's hard to do. That's, that's a hard one, but thank you so much. And then finally, Adeline. Uh, now this is Addie. This is my little adopted niece. I love Addie very much. Uh, Addie is six years old, which I can't believe. How high did the highest flying dinosaur fly, Addie? What a brilliant question! What a brilliant question! You're such a smart girl, and you're as beautiful as your mom, and you don't have smelly feet like your dad, and that's a good thing. <laughs> Addie, this is a great question. Um, th- they have lungs. And we use our lungs to breathe, Addie, We have lungs inside of us. When you <sighs> breathe in and out, those lungs inside are like balloons inside of our body, where we where our air goes. Uh, dinosaurs had special kind of lungs. At least the raptors did, or the 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 um uh the avian dinosaurs did, and that means that they can fly much higher than we, we might think. But unfortunately. I have no way of knowing for certain. I don't have any way of knowing for certain how high they could fly. But I would say this, uh, Adeline, they probably would fly not as high as the jets that we see flying way over our head, probably not that high, but probably close if they wanted to. So maybe if they were traveling a long distance, they would want to fly super high so that it's it's faster to get to where you're going. But what a great question, honey. I love you very much. And uh, uh, thank you, mom, for submitting that particular question. Uh, Okay, jumping back over to this live um, feed that I'm doing. uh, Emilio Raptor said, could Glyptodon and Dodicarus hide in their shells like a tortoise? Great question. They can't. I don't believe, Emilio, that they can retract their neck, but the top of their head is armored. And so rather than physically pull their neck back inside of their shell, they could lower their head and it would act like a door. Like imagine if you had a shield on top of your head and you bent your head down, the shield would come down and that would prevent attack. And so, um, that's what I think it probably did. I think it would have done that. Uh, the McAllister family said, I invited Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor for, to Christmas. That was the worst mistake you can ever make. Well, let me say this. Maybe, just maybe, it would be uh, nice. Maybe it would be nice. Maybe it wouldn't be an absolute terror. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. it. Uh, whatever the case would be, I would venture to say that you're going to have a unforgettable Christmas. You're probably all going to be screaming and running because that naughty little thing is probably going to terrorize your house. All right. Uh, let me take a break. When I come back, we will do some Who Would Wins. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? t-rex versus a giant wolf raptor versus terror bird spinosaurus versus triceratops you choose the animals and dinosaur george will size them up and pick a winner now get ready it's time to find out who would win All right. To be able to submit a who would win, you've got to be a T-Rex member of the Patreon club. So let's go. This one is from Nikasaurus Rex, age seven, from Redmond, Washington. Dinosaur George versus Allosaurus. Why do you people put me in the fights? How am I supposed to win? I only have one weapon, and that is my spectacular stink bombs. That I- Did I say that out loud? Um. Okay. Uh, let's get back to your question then. 'Cause I'm obviously not El Stinko. I mean El Stinko has stink bombs, but I I clearly I, I don't. I mean I like, you know, come on. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not him, you know. I mean I don't know why I said that. it's probably uh it's probably tired or something. I haven't slept very well this week, so uh yeah, there's that. <laughs> I would not stand five minutes with an Allosaurus. Why would you even do that to me? That's actually a good one. And Dominus Fisher says Scorpius Rex versus Indoraptor. Okay, this is a good one. This is a fun one. Now, everybody knows Indominus, I mean Scorpius Rex and Indoraptor are not real, but that doesn't matter because with the Who Would Wins, we can do anything we want. They're fictional, are fictitious animals, but they're still, they're both cool. From what I understand, Indoraptor would have had speed, but Scorpius has got those venomous spikes on its tail. And that would give it an absolute advantage. So in my opinion, I believe Scorpius would be the winner in that. Uh, Runa Saugus Torbus. Great name. Dinosaur George versus Bees and Hornets and Yellow Jackets. Again, what is with you people? What is with you people in putting me in these situations where I get attacked? I'm allergic to bees if it makes you feel any better. And hornets and yellow jackets, too. I'm allergic to them. I don't die, but they sting me and it hurts and I swell up and I look like a basketball. So I'm not even going to stay around and fight. I'm going to run and scream and go the other way. Why would you even put me in that situation? All right, finally, Jack Raptor. Says T Rex versus Ankylosaurus versus Spinosaurus versus Triceratops versus Stegosaurus. All right, these are always difficult because you got so many of them. So, first of all, I believe T Rex is going to beat Spinosaurus. I believe it would. And then that leaves T Rex with Triceratops, Stegosaurus, and Ankylosaurus. Next, I believe T Rex can take on a Stegosaurus. I believe it can. But here comes the problem if these dinosaurs just fought a Spinosaurus, He's going to have injuries. If he just fought a stegosaurus, he's not going to have a lot of energy. And that leaves him up against ankylosaurus and triceratops. He's not going to win either one of those battles. Not now, because he's too tired. Triceratops, the only way he can take on a triceratops is get around behind him before triceratops can turn around and defend itself. But he doesn't have the energy to do that, or it doesn't have the energy to do that. So Triceratops is going to be the winner. And that leaves Triceratops and Ankylosaurus. Now, these are both herbivores, probably not interested in fighting each other. But if they do, then I'm going to have to give the fight to Triceratops again, because Triceratops' horns would probably be able to penetrate between the big, thick shell on Ankylosaurus' back and his side. And he would be able to get those horns in there and cause damage that would never, ever heal very well. All right, my little friends, listen, everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Again, we're celebrating three years. And can you believe nine hundred and eighty five thousand downloads? That's amazing to all of my listeners all over the world. Thank you so very much. You are the reason why this podcast is successful. You're the ones that tell your friends. You're the ones that share the information. And that helps me a bunch. So if you know somebody who likes dinosaurs, I hope you will tell them about our our podcast. I hope that um, if you would like to become a member, I hope you will become a Patreon member. And I hope that you'll follow us at the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. There's all kinds of fun things there. For everybody out there, if you celebrate this time of year, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Um, I hope to maybe record one more podcast before Christmas. But if I don't, I definitely will the week after. So for everybody out there, again, if you want to join Patreon and your birthday is in December... Make sure that you join and you mention your birth date so we can get it on there in time for the next one. For everybody out there, be good, everybody. Be kind. Treat your family and friends nice. Tell your parents you love them. Yes, even tell your brothers or sisters you love them, and I know that's hard, but do it because I said so. See you guys.